When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring, Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Doug Donats. Great to be here for the season two finale. Before we go anywhere, I'm going to ask you all to please wipe your feet before entering the hall. This is a very sacred area, and it's about to become even more sacred as we unveil the class of season two, which is why we're here today. And I am joined by my cohorts, co-hosts and cohorts. I am joined by Matthew Ardell and Thomas Senna. How are you fellas doing today? Great, thanks. Great. Doing very well today, Jamie. This is, I'm excited. This is like the culmination of a lot of work and prep and fun conversations and the whole deal. This is what we are leading to. So I'm excited to announce this class. Now, you have both been uh, given access to the top secret briefcase containing the uh, the results of the voting. But prior to cracking that briefcase open, I'm curious if you had any thoughts about what the class might look like or if you had any, you know, feelings, uh, any, you know, any predictions or anything like that. What were you what were you thinking leading up to opening that document? I had certain locks in my mind, and I think only one of those locks that I had in my mind didn't make it, and we'll obviously get more uh, to that as we go along. But then that was substituted with a nominee who I didn't think would make it, who did. So it's the same amount of inductees, just swap out 
a couple, and uh, but it looks pretty much how I thought it would. There were some interesting tidbits here and there that we'll definitely get into, but it follows fairly closely to what I had in my mind uh, coming in. Yeah, I mean, looking at the in, the inductees, all, like, all of them, I felt, were people that I'm like, yeah, makes sense. There's a couple, though, where, that, where they didn't quite make the cut. They're, they're, they're close, and I'm like, that was a bit shocking. Like, I had a thought they were going to be in there, like two or three people who didn't make it. And, but then I'm looking, I'm like, well, you know what? That's fair game. That's fair game. I, I, it's it, maybe next year. <laughs> Ultimately, you know, you're, you're right. This isn't our Hall of Fame. This is the, the listeners' Hall of Fame. We simply curate the nominees. We get some great guests to talk about those nominees. And then we leave it up to the listeners to cast their votes. And boy, did they ever cast their votes. There was 2,300, over 2,300 uh, votes cast wow. uh, on the ballots this year. The vast majority of people used all 15 votes, which was really exciting. Last year, the average number of votes per ballot was 10.5. This year, it's up to 13.7. So people really uh, looked at this list of nominees and used every available vote they could. So, you know, as much as I might want to argue with some of the results, I can't ultimately. I, I just can't because it's not my Hall of Fame. <laughs> or it would be a little different, I think. <laughs> right, right. We had 171 voters too, which I think is a good sample size. So you're yeah. it's not so little that one vote's going to totally swing swing things for somebody. Um, I mean, it's enough. It's enough that might maybe a couple percentage points. But I think 171 is a really good number to where people have enough of a say. But um, but again, it's not like six people are voting. So if one person casts a vote for so-and-so, then that's weighted heavily. Like I think this is that's a good right. amount of voters uh, yeah. for a Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. Well, should we dig in and uh, take a look at uh, the results? Let's do it. Okay, well, well, let's start out with the bad news. Let's start out with the bad news. And that is that we do have one person that will not be returning to the ballot next year. And I have a feeling there is a cohort of fans that are going to be chasing us with pitchforks as a result of this. <laughs> Maybe fans that are known by a certain name. <laughs> yeah. Possibly that, that would be riled up about this. I believe you're right. Uh, falling from grace is Taylor Swift, who went from 11% of the ballot last year to only 4.7% wow. of the ballot this year. Wow. Sorry, Swifties. Yeah. So Taylor is out now. That was for musical guests. There is still an opportunity for her to be enshrined in our Hall of Fame at some point. But this isn't the year for her. That is another musical guest that is off the list. Any thoughts yeah. on this, fellas? Well, looking at the voting, I think only three people got uh, less of a percentage of the vote this year than last year. So most of the people actually got higher percentage this time around than they did on their first ballot. But dropping over 6% from last year is actually yeah. pretty stunning, especially somebody who has such a dedicated fan base. I'm actually very shocked that Taylor Swift um, is no longer 
eligible for the SNL Hall of Fame as a musical guest. Yeah, me too. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, the Swifties just didn't show up. But, you know, if anybody is good at making a comeback, it's it's Taylor. So get a few more appearances on the show, get a little bit more uh, more uh, experience under her belt. And she might be uh, sweeping up a spot down the road. Yeah, I can see that actually happening. This does feel like Thomas mentioned uh, the fact that there was only three other or two others that uh, dropped percentages this this time out. It feels a little punitive. It feels like <laughs> some people went out of their way to not vote for her. Um, that's what it feels like to me huh. because it's such a significant uh, jump down. Is it because but, her fans like kind of screwed up the standby process in a little <laughs> bit of ways or something? Was that like the punitive <laughs> the thing that she had to suffer? I don't know. Yes. Let's just hope we don't have a class action lawsuit. That's right. right. Jeez. <laughs> Well, let's not bury uh, the lead any longer. Let's get into the class of season two. So joining Lauren Michaels, Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin, Tina Fey, Gilda Radner, Phil Hartman, Dan Aykroyd, and Chris Farley, our first enshrinement that we're going to announce today with 91.8 percent of the ballot is will ferrell yes yeah absolutely i mean what's wrong with the other eight percent of the people (laughs) 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 why wasn't this 100 percent? no i mean jamie you know i think will ferrell's the greatest of all time as far as cast members go and uh, he now holds the record for highest percentage of votes at 91.8%, Eddie Murphy uh, was at 78.1%, and Steve Martin, they were both at 78.1% as the season one class. So Will Ferrell, 91.8%. And yeah, I, Will Ferrell's, by any measure, one of the, on the Mount Rushmore, one of the greatest cast members of all time. So I love it. Perfect. Yeah, I, I would have been shocked if he wasn't the the lead in votes this this season like uh, he's just such a huge figure within the history of of snl and is still very beloved so yeah i'm i'm like you know like thomas said i'm shocked that 8.2 percent of the vote is missing there because uh uh, i would have been totally unsurprised if he had a 100 percent vote but we see this in sports halls of fame all the time. Right. Like I like Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. I don't think any of them got a hundred percent of the vote, which is no. always bizarre to me Absolutely. Uh, when that happens. But you know, what can you do? I think uh, for all intents and purposes, 91.8% might as well be hundred um, percent unanimous. Yeah. 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 All right. Moving down the ballot with 85.4% of the vote is Another fan favorite, Bill Hader, enshrined. Uh, we need a we need a name for you know. I guess it's it's Toronto as of now, seeing as I have the plaques on my desk. Uh, but um, Bill Hader will be enshrined in in Toronto uh, rather than Cooperstown or something like that uh, <laughs> for perpetuity. This is really exciting. I think Bill Hader is just tremendous. Like, he's just one of those multi talented like writer performer. 
uh, he just brings so much to the table in in every every project he works in. Uh, he was so dedicated during his time in SNL. He more than earned his spot there. And again, like 85.4. So not the 91.8 of Will, but a really strong showing. Yeah. Uh, so he's uh, very fondly looked upon. It should be noted that these are both first ballot all the famers yeah. as well. <laughs> this is their first time up. Sorry about that, Thomas. Yeah, no, it's okay. I was gonna um, gush about Bill Hader a little bit more. Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the all time great impressionists on SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, he just totally popped. And I think what stands out about him is he was in a stacked era of the show too. Really great cast members. Uh, he was he he was in the same cast as a lot of like a laundry list of people um, that we could list a, a couple of them at least one of them here that that uh, that we talked about here um, in this season of the SNL Hall of Fame he was uh, in the same cast as like Will Forte Jason Sudeikis it was just a strong era of SNL and Bill Hader was the one that popped probably arguably uh, more than any of them so mm-hmm. this is totally worthy another one of the people who I thought coming into the season would be a lock for the hall of fame yeah there's there's absolutely no debating this that is rock solid that is 85.4 percent next on the list at 78.4 percent which would have been enough to be the top vote getter last season is Kristen wig another cast member Kristen wig yeah, Kristen Wiig, in the uh, one of the people who I was alluding to, and she she was in the same cast, the same era as Bill Hader. She and Bill probably both were the two that popped um, maybe the most out of that era of SNL. Uh, 78.4, for as much as Kristen Wiig was beloved when she was on the show, I think maybe we're seeing, I, th- I would think if you would have asked me when she left the show, that, you know, if you would have said there's an SNL Hall of Fame, Kristen just left the show when she's eligible for the SNL Hall of Fame. What percentage of the vote do you think she would get? And I would have said like 90-something percent. So the 78.4% is kind of interesting to me. I think there's been a little tiny sliver of blowback um, toward Kristen Wiig over the years. Certainly not from me and not enough, obviously, from voters. Uh, Kristen Wiig, another one of those uh, slam dunks to me coming into the season, and I'm really, really happy for her um, that she got recognized. Same here. Like Again, you know that, that cast uh, that she was a part of was stellar from front to back, but she, like she and Bill, they both just shone. They, just, they both elevated every sketch, and I mean, at one point, she was in more sketches per episode than any other performer on the show. Uh, she was just a workhorse uh, and just delivered time and time again. But yeah, I mean, as Thomas was saying, there has been a bit of blowback, and I don't know if it's entirely deserved. Actually, I don't think it's entirely deserved. I don't think it's deserved at all. But uh, yeah, I, I'm glad she made it in. Yeah, me too. And now for something completely different. This is our first non-cast member being uh, inducted into the hall. And with 72.5% of the ballot is uh, America's father, Tom Hanks. What do you think uh, there, Matt? It was only a matter of time. I mean, he's been on, he has his own best of Tom Hanks SNL DVD. How many hosts can say that? I mean... He is a fixture uh, almost as much as I'd say Steve Martin um, when people think of iconic hosts. 
so I think he very much earned the spot. He's a he's ingratiated himself as a, a regular go to on the show, letting the, them do things that I think a lot of stars of his caliber wouldn't go for. Uh, but, you know, his com- comedic chops shine through and, and I think he's a great addition. Yeah, and apologies to Steve Martin, but I think Tom Hanks is, is probably the greatest to ever do it on the host side. From the late 80s up until what was his most recent in-studio hosting gig was 2016, which was like a modern-day classic. That's when we got to see David S. Pumpkins and Black Jeopardy. Um, just a very solid episode all around. Every episode that he's hosted pretty much in between then has been solid. Uh, memorable recurring characters. I mean, Hanks was just fantastic and uh, in my opinion the greatest to ever do it uh, as a host yeah it's tough to argue that it's really tough to argue him and uh him and martin are two sides of a of of a coin for sure and whichever side it lands on you're you're bound for a great show all right next on the list 71.3 percent of the ballot is Scarborough's own Mike Myers. Any thoughts on Mike Myers, Thomas? We had interesting discussions on on the roundtables about Mike yes. Myers, especially the one the the one that I was in with um, uh, with with Maddie and uh, Jamie Burwood. And Mike Myers was one of the more fascinating cases to me in that he's almost for a lot of people he's the face of SNL, and I'm talking SNL history. Mike Myers is the face of SNL history for a lot of people. And he, he, he was the face certainly of an era for a lot of people, but looking at his body of work to me, he wasn't the slam dunk that one would have thought (laughs) just by seeing the name Mike Myers. So I thought he would get in, but I also thought it would be pretty close um, to the threshold. And he was at 71.3%, which is close to the threshold of not getting in. I think if you would have asked somebody about what percentage of the votes Mike Myers would get, I think a lot of people, maybe casual viewers, would be like, yeah, slam dunk. He'd probably get like 95% of the votes. But the fact that Mike Myers got 71% of the votes, I mean, he's a worthy Hall of Famer, but it speaks to that maybe SNL, hardcore SNL fans maybe don't hold him as high in regard as casual viewers. Um, but also hardcore SNL fans still view him as a Hall of Famer, and rightfully so. Yeah, well said. I, uh, I'm i a huge Mike Myers fan. I've, I've loved him oddly since before he was on SNL, when he was on City Limits in the middle of the night as, as, as Wayne. But <laughs> he's just very much of that high school era of SNL for me. Which means I think I have a, probably a very biased view of him. And I think that's the thing. Like, you go back and you watch some of those sketches. Like, I saw his sketch, his Simon in the Land of Chalk drawing parody sketch with, with Macaulay Culkin. And I'm like, oh, there's no way this would fly today. <laughs> it's it's just wrong on so many levels. But, you know, he always he was very earnest. And I think that's what endears him to a lot of people. Even... When he's doing things like the Pentaveret uh, <laughs> today, it's like, oh, Mike, I love you, man, but you're, you're giving it your heart and I will I will grant you that. That's that Shrek so, money yeah. that allows him to do stuff like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not hurting yeah, for money. He's still, 
Uh, I, I mean, he still probably got a pile of Wayne's World money in a bucket somewhere too. Yeah. So he's 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 comfortable. <laughs> All right, the next nominee or the next uh, inductee rather is our first inductee who is a second ballot Hall of Famer, moving from sixty one point nine percent his first time up to sixty nine percent the second time is Norm Macdonald. This one is interesting because this is our first second ballot Hall of Famer. This is the first instance we've seen somebody getting more votes the second time than they did the first time and making it to the Hall of Fame. So it's uh, very interesting to look at that. Uh, It makes you wonder what changed in, in a year or, you know, a different sort of look at the body of work. Maybe the round tables. I'm not sure, but Norm is in, and he is a Hall of Famer now. I thought his number would drop from 61.9% because I thought there was a possibility that Norm was top of mind last voting cycle because um, people voted. The voting happened a few months after Norm passed away. It happened in the spring of 2022, and Norm passed in September of 2021. So I thought that people would have Norm top of mind and want to honor him with a vote for the Essendon Hall of Fame. So then I thought maybe that he would have maximized his number last year, but it's really nice to see. I mean, 69% up from almost 62%. And I was one of those people who didn't vote for Norm last year, but regretted it (laughs) and actually voted for him this time around. So I guess there are quite there are a few of us out there obviously who made that similar choice. Um but I'm really happy for Norm and I want to say that that when people talk about and think about Norm, they just think of him on update, but looking back, his sketch work was a lot stronger than people give him credit for and Absolutely. it was yeah, and it was a unique voice within the show too. It was more oddball. It was almost like a Will Forte. Um, even currently, we're seeing like Andrew Dismukes have more of a weird voice or sometimes Sarah Sherman. And I think Norm MacDonald was that type of, type of voice in his era. So it was more than just update um, as far as my vote went for Norm. Uh, it was I loved him when he was featured and the, the main player in sketches and he did impressions. His sketch work was stronger than people people even think. Yeah, I think most people are just locked in hard to the fact that he was an update guy and uh, really sort of forget that. Or or maybe the votes would have been higher. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, for me, he has this one sketch uh, that I, I I love. Just because it's kind of poking fun at the dynamics of his cast members where they're all at the zoo. And uh, they eventually all jump into a bear pit. But it's, again, like speaking to that sort of oddball take that he, that he has and i mean i was fortunate enough to do a, a panel after he passed with a bunch of his friends who came up through the community uh comedy community with him and that's it, that dryness and that just sort of sideways take that he has on things that i think made him really special and i think giving it the year to reflect people like oh he didn't make it in last year i i think a lot of people were like oh you know what i'm gonna I regret that. You know, he. I feel he should have been in there. And I think that may have swung, helped swing the votes to, to get him past the line. And you're talking about the polar bear cage sketch, Matt. I love that. That's a good reference. That's yeah, one of my uh, 
in a in a really weird season that was like a standout and that was the very very last episode that's when farley and sandler were leaving um jay moore and tim meadows mm-hmm. were also in that sketch and that was just yeah. quintessential norm like you knew it was norm that was behind that sketch he just had such a unique voice Okay, next we are moving to a host. Another host has been inducted. So this will be the third host in the Hall of Fame. And if you want to talk about narrow margins, I don't (laughs) think it can get any more narrow than this. Well, I guess Mm -hmm. it can get one percentage point more narrow. Uh, You have to have 66.6% of the vote to get into the Hall of Fame. And with 66.7%, is Alec Baldwin. What do we think of this? I mean, he was a fixture, like, for a long time, for many years. So, I mean, like, his his actual hosting was... There's some great moments in there. There's some weird moments. Like, I, I re-watched the episode where he was there for his honeymoon, effectively. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, that's a choice uh, i was like this is a marriage doomed to failure uh, watching that <laughs> he hosted uh, with kim basinger it was yeah yeah it was it was just very cringe inducing from the moment it started but like yeah he's just one of those people who who i think you know like tom hanks is just willing to give it all to the show because he appreciates the spirit in which it is created and i think he was one of those hosts that the writers were super happy when he showed up and I've heard Paul Appel and a few other people, but specifically Paul Appel, just totally compliment Alec Baldwin on just his character work and jumping into pieces. And because they, they collaborated on some of the Tony Bennett stuff. And she said that he was just awesome. And I know, you know, I've said it before, we tend to overuse the, the term game host. Like we all call every host a game host, it seems like. But I think that terms like that are reserved for hosts like Alec Baldwin. Just totally game and barely got in. And I think, I mean, the elephants in the room, one, the tragic incident that happened in Santa Fe, New Mexico on the set of Rust. And also he played Trump. And that rubbed people the wrong way. But as I've pointed out, he only played Trump once as a host. And we're looking at him as a host. So I don't think Trump should even be used to evaluate his candidacy for the SNL Hall of Fame if we're looking at him as a host. And I'm super happy that he got in. And the Trump stuff didn't... I mean, it impacted probably the final percentage of the vote, but it didn't impact him getting into the Hall of Fame which I'm happy about. And ultimately, when when it comes down to things, these scores nobody's going to talk about. You know, uh, tomorrow it's you're a you're a Hall of Famer, yeah. and and that's what that's what matters. And I think that sixty six point seven percent or ninety one point eight percent, I think it's you know sort of irrelevant, but it is it does provide fun water cooler talk, right? Yeah. Which is what we're here for. So we have one more candidate to announce, and it is in the writer category. So this will be our second writer inducted into the Hall of Fame. And again, with 66.7% of the vote, a first ballot Hall of Famer, Seth Meyers. Now, for me, this is interesting because this is our last candidate. This is our last announcement. 
we have inducted eight Hall of Famers. There are some that we need to talk about afterwards and we'll get into. But for now, let's celebrate Seth Meyers as the second writer, second Weekend Update host, and um, somebody who is now a Hall of Famer. Thomas, what do you have to say about that? You know, the show was kind of in purgatory there after Will Ferrell left up and through maybe 2005 or six or so. And under Seth's leadership, I think the show really turned around. And I think a lot of that, I mean, there was a strong cast, but Seth was a writer who knew how to write for all their voices. He put them in positions to succeed. I mean, we always complain about this cast member not getting a chance or that cast member not getting a chance. Under Seth's watch, all of these cast members shined on the show. And I think that says a lot about his leadership and his knack for writing material for all of those excellent cast members. And he was great on update, which I think is worthy to talk about. Updates a, a, a big it's a writing position as much as it is as it is a performing position. Uh, I'm really happy to see Seth make it and see a writer make it here uh, on their first ballot. And maybe it speaks to like it helps if you're a writer uh, who's on the ballot. It helps to have done update with Tina Fey making it as well. I mean, totally, uh, totally agree with Thomas. Like his quality as a leader of a writing room, I think really sp- speaks to the strengths of that, that cast and that era that he was leading that the, the, the writing table. You just had, you had voices elevated that wouldn't have been featured previously. You had, you had a diversity in, in, in the types of sketches and it, it really, it really revitalized the show in a lot of ways. And, uh, I have a dream of being a comedy writer and I want to work on his show. So, so Seth, if you hear this, give me a call. Uh, but you know, he's just, he's, he's the kind of guy who trusts his performers and he trusts his writers and he lets you have things like Stefan. I can't imagine having happened five years earlier. I just, I think it would have gone in a kind of direction that wouldn't have been funny if they tried to do it, but he let, Melanie and Bill just go crazy and do their thing. And uh, that just speaks to the kind of leader he is. A lot of it's lack of ego. And you alluded to something very important, Matt. And Seth started off, we all know he started off as a cast member on the show. He didn't even get, he wasn't even cast member slash writer. It was strictly cast member. He didn't get hired on as a writer, but he... He knew enough. He was a decent cast member, but he will be the first to tell you that he wasn't as good as Sudeikis or Bill Hader or Kristen Wiig. When he said when he saw those cast members come into the show, Seth was almost like, oh my God, I'm never going to be that good. Like I think when he started, he thought he would work his way up to maybe being as good as Will Ferrell. But then when the other people started joining, Seth knew enough to know his strengths and his strengths were in writing and update a good update guy, but he wasn't going to be a Bill Hader or a Will Ferrell. And that's, he could have let his ego get in the way and said, no, I want to be on, on camera more. I want to be in sketches, but he didn't, he had good comic sense about him. And I think that ultimately played into his benefit and SNL's benefit. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think um, all of that, you know, encapsulates, who he is and what he stands for. And we've seen him 
really shine you know post snl as well no we're not we don't evaluate that when we when we talk about uh a candidate for the hall of fame but nevertheless it it, it does go to show just um you know the the greatness that is there mm-hmm. now before we wrap the show up we've got a couple things that we want to do we want to reiterate this initial cast or this initial class rather we want to talk about some storylines that we can see in the middle section of this ballot and we're going to preview season three which is going to start a week from today and we're going to have 15 brand new nominees to talk about so we'll get into that shortly but before we do let's talk about who didn't make it and if there is a pathway for a second or third ballot uh, entry who made some significant jumps i see a host that made uh you know a 25 point jump nearly i see a couple writers that made 20 plus point jumps so there's some real progress being made here among the voters and um we're seeing it in the the ballot results. I, I wonder if Matt, there was any storyline or anything that jumped out to you in the uh, in the middle section. I mean, we have we have a sort of old guard versus the new guard mix here in a lot of ways. I mean, you have uh, that that you, know, you have Will and Bill and Kristen, but then on the other end, you've got like. You know, Mike Myers and Norm McDonald. So it's 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 interesting. I think I think we have a, a an interesting mix of people who are very reverential to the old the old guard, but still are acknowledging the new voices and people who are really into the newer voices and the just recently parted voices, but still value that old class and the the older casts. There, there's some people who I like. Some groups like Lonely Island. Shock. <laughs> to be honest, so close, so close. They made great gains from from last year, like just under ten percent. They're just under the wire. I'm thinking maybe next year with with this this batch out of the way, they'll get in. So um, the Lonely Island got sixty two point one percent of the vote. You need sixty six point six. So they're about four percentage points uh, or so away. I texted Jamie. <laughs> Before we came on, and I said Lonely Island dot dot dot, what the hell? But I didn't say hell. I was I was a lot less nice about it than that. Um, I want to keep it somewhat clean on here, but I'm shocked. Lonely Island is the one candidate that didn't make it. That I'm, I have no idea why. I can't even like some of the other people who I voted for. I could see why they wouldn't make it, but Lonely yeah. Island, I'm I'm at a loss. I have no idea yeah. why they're not already. Well, I have no idea why they weren't uh, a season one inductee much less right now i think they're going to get in at some point but i can't even justify them not being in the hall of fame yeah and and the same with maya rudolph you know honestly again like her and the lonely island both being like just slightly under the wire she's at 57.9 a little bit more of a gap but i mean she had like a strong 10.8 percent growth year over year in voters like went from 47.1 to 57.9 uh, from the first round of ballots to the second round. I, it, it, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a matter of when, not if, because these are like incredible talents. That's and right. 
and I, I think that's the, the, the thing. There's no bad choice. If you've made it this far, if you're on this list, you're beloved Absolutely. at some level. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, I mean, what do you make of some of these snubs? I'm as, you know, blown away as you are as far as the Lonely Island goes. <laughs> I thought for sure. Now, I, I took a peek a couple times at the voting results, and there were times that they were in and times that they were out. They were always really close. So 62.1 is, is, is great. It's just not enough. And, uh, yeah, I really don't know what to make of it. On all of Whether our roundtables, everybody voted for them. That's right. So I, didn't even, I wasn't even able to hear a counter argument to Lonely Island being in the Hall of Fame because all of the panelists had them on their ballots that we talked to on our show, which is so I'm just dumbfounded. I did get some feedback at one point mm -hmm. during the season that uh, there were a couple people that mentioned they don't like the idea of groups being nominated, like Franken and Davis. Uh, Franken and Davis, where did they land this time? They went from 29.7 to 43.9. So I think there's a path for them to make the Hall of Fame as well a couple times out. Like once people, you know, we're going to have to do some drum banging for sure as hosts and curators of this hall. But the voters ultimately make make the choice. And, and I, I, I don't understand it because quite literally the Lonely Island shifted a paradigm. You know, yeah. they they... They changed things. And whether or not it's people not familiar with the verbiage, the Lonely Island, and they need to see Andy Samberg's name there, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't get it. I was wondering, so if we had, if we nominated just Andy Samberg, I wonder if he would have gotten in. But As then I don't want to discredit uh, the other two folks, Yorma uh, and, and Akiva, Akiva. From, yeah, yeah. from Lonely Island. I don't want to discredit them either because there's much of part of of the amazing stuff that Lonely Island put out as Andy is, even though Andy's the most well-known of the three, I do wonder if Andy Samberg was on the ballot if he would have made it because people would have just thought of him as the Lonely Island and not Yorma and Akiba. Wow, I wonder. Yeah, so I, I very much view them as two distinct entities. Right? Yeah, like, no, me yeah, too. Well, yeah, I like, totally agree. It's like, and, and I mean, I think I love Andy Samberg and I, I love him in SNL and I love him outside of that. But I think you know, the Lonely Island is better than Andy Samberg on his own, in my mind, Agreed. because they, they are so creative and so prolific. Yeah, I, it's it's madness. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. madness. And that's why we haven't done an Andy Samberg episode. That's one of the reasons is because Lonely Island's already on the ballot. That's right. You know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think if we did, if we had Andy and Lonely Island on the ballot, I think it would confuse some people. Yeah, I think so too. So, but yeah, that's interesting, Jamie. Thanks for sharing that feedback because, because I was just super shocked that I mean they they had the first they they made a YouTube what it is essentially yeah, yeah. and they they changed uh, bef bef uh SNL well we I was talking about it on uh, I was on the Saturday Night Network's patron feedback show with John Schneider and we were talking about the possibility of the production uh, folks going on strike and. Um, one of the listeners, I believe it was uh, Ruby, who's a very great part of the SNL community. Ruby said that the last time an episode hasn't had a pre-tape was in 2008. And I think a lot of that is because of The Lonely Island. I think they made pre-tapes into part of the fabric of the show for, for the better. 
We all love most of these pre-tapes. Absolutely. And you could thank the Lonely Island for, for elevating pre-tapes into, if we have one, maybe we'll air it to, we got to have a pre-tape every episode. Yeah, yeah well, like it, it, it went from, like there was an era where they just didn't happen. Like, yeah. Or it, it was just like, ah. Uh, because, I mean, in the, the, the origins in the first few years, pre-tapes were very much an integral component. But then in the 80s and 90s, it kind of just disappeared. Yeah, maybe uh, a fake commercial here and there, but yeah. it wasn't part of the fabric of the show like it is now. Yeah, yeah definitely the commercial parodies were, were a big part of the 80s and early 90s. To me, I think what, what makes it even more pronounced is the brilliance of the pre-tape means that from a production standpoint, your live sketches can be that much more elaborate because you can stage them, you know, in that small studio, you can, you can stage them in a way that you're doing a live sketch, then a pre-tape and then come back to the, to the home base or come back to, you know, wherever else you're setting up a sketch and it can be slightly more elaborate. It doesn't have to be as Mm -hmm. racing around and, um, and, and as haphazard, you know, it, it really informs what the show is now. So, have you guys been in that space? I've not. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did this NBC tour. It is so small. It's tiny. It is like I seeing the stage where the musicians play and, and where the, the the performers do their sketches. I'm like, I couldn't do a sketch in this space. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. this is too tiny. But you you. Again, yeah, and and this speaks to the value of these these pre tapes. It, it gives them the ability to to maximize the resources that they have on hand. Like you're like you're saying, Jamie, and it's it's yeah, it's 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 really helped elevate the show. Yeah, and a production uh, from a production standpoint, you're right, Jamie. The Lonely Island was almost like the rising tide that lifted all the ships. The ships being like the live sketches and right. and other things. I mean. It's hard to overstate the influence they had on their era, and we're still feeling it here in 2023. So what we're saying in short here, people, (laughs) is uh, when we open up voting for season three, please consider everything we've just said and cast a vote for The Lonely Island. I was going to say The Lonely Island better damn well be on your ballot, but (laughs) Jamie Jamie said it in a nicer way. (laughs) Were there any other... um, Things that jumped out at you or any other things that you wanted to comment on in terms of uh, the middle ground? So I think a couple of things. I was really happy that Jack Handy got as much of the vote as he Mm -hmm. did. We've seen that writers, it's kind of tough. Like we see, we have Tina and Seth Meyers now in the, in the hall of fame, Lonely Island nominated as a, as a, as writers, they haven't been in yet. We've seen that it's hard, a hard path for writers. And to see Jack Handy get 46.8% of the vote on his first ballot was a lot more than I anticipated. And I'm a huge, yeah. huge Jack Handy fan. And he was on my ballot. I voted for Jack Handy. and But I didn't think that he would get the votes. And I was halfway worried that he would be off the ballot altogether. Um, I guess there's enough old schoolish SNL fans who voted for Jack Handy to keep him on the ballot. But I was super happy that Jack Handy um, on his first try had 46.8% of the vote. Like such a strong initial turnout. Um, I, I, I feel the same way. Like he was such a huge part of like my formative high school SNL years. 
Um, like him and Conan, Conan had a good growth, like 22%, 22 22.4% between the ballots, both sitting at that 46.8. You know, and it's harder for writers to break through because, you know, people don't see their, their contributions. And unless they're like a huge name, you know, like John Mulaney or, or, or even Conan, you know, I mean, people are like, oh, I don't know who they are. But uh, yeah, I just it's 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 such a relief because Jack was like, like as he was the writer's writer uh, in in that writing room, and uh, he's so well respected. So I'm glad he did strongly. Yeah, John Mulaney was interesting to me too because he he dropped one of the, one of the few that dropped. Right. Yeah, yeah by four percent, he went from forty seven point seven in season one to forty three point three percent here in this round. So Mulaney and I believe the other one was Lily Tomlin. That's right. Who dropped, but by like two percent. Two percent. But I wonder if Mulaney dropped because other quality riders seem to get more of the vote, or there were some new riders. Well, Mulaney uh, on is the in ballot. as a host. As a host, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, Jeez. that's okay. Um, yeah, so I thought, yeah, Mulaney's interesting to me. I think a lot of it too is because he's still maybe considered an active <laughs> kind yeah, of player. I think so. so maybe people withheld votes for somebody like him. Yeah. I, I mean, heard. next next Toronto comedy show he's gonna do is gonna get canceled, and he'll be hosting <laughs> another episode. So it's like, yeah, he's so young in that regard. That's right. That, I mean, I know that kind of held me back. I love him, but I didn't vote for him because I felt he still had so far to go and so he's much got to show lots us. of time absolutely yeah. and just for the record just so people know you uh you remain on the ballot for five five cycles five seasons so after five seasons you're eliminated as well like so five percent or five seasons so he's got plenty of time to to get on the uh the dais as, as it were the one that jumped out for me because musical guests are so unfairly voted against i'm gonna say uh, i just don't think people are really putting it together the fact that you know when you watch when you watch the slam dunk shows i'm not saying the average show i'm not saying the b shows those slam dunk shows where everything hits the musical guest is often a part of that mm-hmm. the musical guest is often really great and tremendous as well and I think that people are forgetting that, that it, it's, it's a great flow. They're thinking of all those episodes where they just fast forward the musical guests or whether they go get a snack or go to the bathroom. So, so musical guests, again, are very low down on the ballot. But the one that uh, the name that jumped out at me was Dave Grohl, who starts at 32.2% his first time out. That's a pretty significant portion of the ballot to get. For a musical guest, based on yeah. based on precedent at this point, and I mean that's about where Justin Timberlake started in in his first uh, round as well, and he's seen significant growth. But I, I kind of consider both of them akin in that they are game musicians. They are willing to be in sketches. They're willing to take themselves down a peg or two. And Justin uh, Timberlake's and make... a nominee is a host, I believe. Timberlake's okay. nominated yeah. as a host, yeah. yeah. Oh, See, yeah. we're even right. getting kind of... It's a lot of... They wear multiple hats, a lot of the, a lot of the yeah. famous SNL folks, yeah. Yeah. And and actually, you know, Grohl, I'm, you know, I would love to see him as a host. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's I just been so... like. It's those musicians that are willing to put themselves in a sketch, that are willing to make themselves part of the fun, that really 
elevate it. And I think you know, Grohl is pretty beloved. I, I can't think of a person who can say much bad about Dave Grohl. No, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the world that we live in today, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, stake my life on that but uh so this will be a freezing so cold take in a few years like <laughs> yeah. what's yeah. wrong with dave grohl he's one of the greatest people on earth and yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> all right as promised um well jamie i wanted to talk about a little bit about dave grohl too because sure. oh, sorry. yeah well i was kind of part of me was disappointed because i mean 32 percent. that's still he still has an upward hill to climb in many ways but as far as musical guests goes, we, yeah, we've seen that that's quite a big number <laughs> for musical guests. And honestly, Dave Grohl, I mean, no offense to the other episodes that, that, that we've done of the SNL Hall of Fame or the other guests that I've had, but that Dave Grohl episode was may have been my personal favorite one of, uh, of season two, uh, just because I love Dave Grohl so much. I was a huge Nirvana fan. I love the Foo Fighters. I think Dave Grohl has just such a storied place in SNL. And just how Ryan McNeil and I were able to go like break down Dave Grohl's appearances and talk about it. That was maybe my personal favorite episode to do of of the entire of a, the entire season too. So Dave Grohl, I think I'm a little biased because I think it's like a, he has like sentimental value to me, but some ways I'm disappointed, but in other ways, him being a musical guest, I'm encouraged. And I just don't know what it'll take for any musical guest to get into the Hall of Fame based on these numbers. I mean, we have Paul McCartney got 29.8% of the vote. Uh, we had Prince getting 10.5, which was up one percentage and a half. Nominally, right? Nominally. Yeah. Also yeah. nominally was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers up to 9.9 from 7.1. First time on the ballot, Elvis Costello had got 8.2% of the vote. Miley Cyrus, who's nominated as a musical guest, right? That's right. Okay, yeah, 7.6 from 7.1. So, I mean, musical guests, are we going to see them in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. I don't know. I think Grohl is the... Grohl is the uh, the standard bearer at this point, uh, the yeah. what, what would you call it? The weather, the the weather vane. You know, if he yeah. gets in, then maybe the floodgates open. I don't know. I don't know. And he's the most disturbing to me too. Out of any musical guest, I've kind of taken a look, and I honestly think Dave Grohl's the most deserving musical guest, maybe out of anybody in the show's history, just for the number of times that he's appeared, and he's appeared in sketches. He had he's had memorable performances. The day Biden um, got officially announced as as beating Trump, Foo Fighters were the musical guest, and they did uh, just a chilling version of times like these. I'll never forget that. It's maybe my favorite performance in a uh, musical performance in SNL history. So I'm curious. I'm just going to be so fascinated to see where Dave Grohl uh, goes from here. Absolutely. Well, as promised, we are going to wrap things up with a quick preview of season three. And uh, we're really excited. We've got some great candidates in season three. And I just want to, um, I, I guess the best way to do this is I'll, I'll just go through them and then we can comment on them if, if, if we would like once, I'm complete, once I complete the list, if there's anybody that we want to double tap on. Uh, so we're going to kick things off on February 13th with Dana Carvey. 
So a really strong lead-in to season three, I think. We're going to follow that up with Buck Henry, then Jane Curtin, Beyonce, Dick Ebersol, Robert Smigel, Christopher Walken, Bill Murray, Elliot Gould, Herb Sargent, Rihanna, Scarlett Johansson, John Belushi, Paul Simon, and then we'll wrap things up with nominees with Amy Poehler before we go into our traditional three round tables, and then we'll do this all again and uh, see who gets into the Hall of Fame. Is there anybody on here that you are particularly excited for or nervous about? I am super excited for Dana and Jane. Uh, both just performers that I immensely respect. Um, Jane has been such an interesting voice to hear talk about her time in the early years as one of the first cast members. Uh, and her, her, she was kind of the adult in the room uh, in those early years. And it, it, it's a very interesting take, so different from many of the other castmates that she had that speaking about that time. Um, so I, I just, I'm really looking forward to that episode and, you know, Dana, again, part of that high school era of my SNL, uh, indoctrination. So I, I, he's just such an interesting character and such a great impersonator and and impressionist. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing that conversation. How about you, Thomas? Yeah, well, we got, um, the guests that we have for those two episodes. I'm really excited about too. For Dana Carvey, we have Darren Patterson, from the right. SNL Nerds podcast, who who came in and talked with me about Dana Carvey, and then for Jane Curtin, uh, we have Andrew Dick from that week in SNL, um, who who loves Jane Curtin, and that was a really fun episode uh, to record. So I'm looking forward to those two uh, for sure, Matt. I'm looking forward to all of these. I mean, I've already started doing research, and some of them are in the can behind the curtain, um, but I've just been loving researching all of them and. Uh, going back and watching sketches, the one that I'm that I'm most fascinated by is Dick Ebersol. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, Man, absolutely. Like, how how are we gonna label him? Just contributor, producer? I mean, he doesn't fit any of the these standard categories, but he's so integral to SNL, and he was almost a a, a late addition to to the lineup for various reasons. But when I look back at it, it makes so much sense yeah. to, to do an episode about Dick Ebersol and to nominate Dick Ebersol for the SNL Hall of Fame. And I'm looking forward to people hearing that episode because I don't think that a lot of people truly understand how important Dick Ebersol was and is to the show. I have the great uh, Deremy Dove on to talk about Dick Ebersol, and I think he did a fantastic job breaking that down. And... People think they'll be surprised by how strong of a candidate Dick Ebersol actually is for the SNL Hall of Fame. Well, we love to talk, uh, you know, the storyline from season one of the Hall of Fame was Eddie Murphy capturing, you know, the number one spot. And, you know, the narrative there was, well, he saved the show. Well, actually, (laughs) it's probably Dick Ebersol that saved the show. You could make that argument. So... I'm really looking forward to hearing that one. And one of the things that I often hear people refer to is there's the terrible Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Michael Hall cast. And a lot of them peg that on on Dick, but 
that was actually Lauren's first year back. Yep. And so they like one of the most egregious crimes they pin on him wasn't even his. <laughs> exactly. You know? so. Yeah. Did Ebersol's last season was actually the All Stars. The All Stars, Billy Crystal yeah. and Martin Short and all, all those people. That was Ebersol's last season, and then right. the, what they call his George Steinbrenner. Uh, season just sort of bringing in ringers and that, mm-hmm. that was a good season that you could attribute that to Dick Ebersol. I kind of think Dick Ebersol had a hand in saving the show maybe a couple of times <laughs> yeah. and he had a hand in creating the show. So I'm just right. look, so looking forward to people hearing me and Jeremy Dove talk about Dick Ebersol. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't what else wait. stands out to you, Jamie? Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, Herb Sargent. I-, I think that that's an interesting candidate for sure somebody that we don't know a great deal about nor what they did in terms of contributions to the show but somebody that was part of the show for such a long time and also john belushi john belushi is really interesting to me because i've always been sort of come see come saw on john belushi i've i've never been like he's he's the he's the you know, I was a Gilda Radner person, and uh, I, I suppose I got my back up a little bit. You know, with some of his more, hmm, some of his more misogynistic, I'll say, statements about female comedians, and uh, that never rubbed me the right way. But I, I think that I can be swayed because he's so important into those, you know, those those four years that he was there. He packed a lot into those four years. So I'm really uh, excited about that. Yeah, that Herb Sargent episode is a lot of education for me (laughs) as well. Uh, Leading that discussion, he's somebody who's flown under the radar. I'm just excited about learning more about Herb Sargent and uh, having a good guest to go along with it. So it has been our pleasure to present this season uh, two finale, the class of season two to y'all today before we check out we'll go through the list one last time it's seth myers as a writer alec baldwin as a host norm mcdonald as a cast member mike myers as a cast member tom hanks as host kirsten wig as a cast member bill Hader as a cast member and will ferrell as a cast member that is your class of season two Thank you so much for joining me today, gentlemen. I hope you had as much fun as I did this season. And we'll do it all again next week. We'll start this wagon wheel rolling. Thank you so much, Jamie. All right. Do me a favor as you're walking out and you make your way past the weekend update exhibit. Make a right. And there's a light switch on the wall. Turn it off because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Cast some such.